What's going on, Thrive Church family? We're so grateful you're tuning into this week's podcast. We pray this message will bless you in the same way it has blessed our house this past Sunday. Yeah, let's give them a hand. Come on. All right. 11 o'clock. How are we doing this morning? Good. Come on. Excited to be in church. All the Niner fans, I expected you in church. Because if you didn't come to church, they're going to lose. I'm just saying, y'all need to pray. You know what I'm saying? And um, just just grateful. And listen, uh, um, I'm going to be honest. On uh, behalf of all the Raider fans, because uh, I'm one, sadly, sadly, proudly and sadly, I'm one. Um, we're just team nap today. You know what I'm saying? Like, we're team nap and nachos, and like, we don't even care who wins. But... Uh, I think you guys might have it, so we'll pray. We'll pray. Good stuff. And just so excited for what God's doing in this house. Can we just give it up for our dream team, our home team this morning? I'm sorry, our home team, worship, backline, kids, welcome team, love them. And then I'm going to have you cheer one more time for one more group of people. Can we give it up for everyone watching online this morning? Come on, let's welcome everyone watching online. We love you. So excited to have you with us. And so today we're going to be continuing our series entitled Feels Like Home. First service was amazing. And uh, today I'm just really grateful that you're here with us. We're going to be sharing really um, out about the concept and the idea of family today. And so I felt that it was the best for me to kind of sit and teach this morning. I, I've learned this about myself. Uh, if you don't know this, uh, if you're newer to our church, uh, I talk really fast. Um, so... Like really fast sometimes. And so I've learned that sometimes you just got to slow down. And I want to make sure that we're really catching what I believe God's trying to share with us. And so as a communicator, I try to sit so I can slow down and talking. And uh, also we started home groups this week. I don't know about you, but I'm excited for about groups. How many of you are in groups right now? Excited for them. Amazing. Love it. Um, and that's what we do. So I want to make this more of a conversation today. Don't like raise your hand and ask questions. So that's not going to happen. But I want to just kind of slow down, walk through some things because the topic of today, I believe, is transformative and life-changing. And the reason being is because uh, family is such an important concept to God. And it's part of who we are as a church. It's part of who we are as home church. I also know that family comes with a lot of baggage. There's a lot of pain. There's a lot of hurt. There's a lot of things that could be connected to it in a good way or a bad way. Most of the, sometimes it's been a bad way. And so I want to kind of walk us through that in some ways. And I feel the best way is to teach. However, this is what we're going to do. We're going to stand because what we do every week is we stand when we read God's word. So let's go ahead and stand up, family. And let's jump right into it. We're going to read Ephesians chapter 2, one of my favorite chapters in the New Testament. And we're going to go ahead and read it out of the message version. So it's going to be a little bit different today than the normal versions that we read. Although I believe this version, this translation... Uh, personifies and embodies what I believe we're trying to communicate today as well. And so Ephesians chapter 2 verses 17 to 22 says this, Christ came and preached peace to you outsiders and peace to us insiders. He treated us as equals. Come on, that's good. Treated us as equals and so made us equals. Through him, we both share the same spirit. And have equal access to the Father. Can I get an amen for that? That's plain enough, isn't it? You are no longer wandering exiles. Come on, so Pastor Roger talked about it a couple weeks ago. You are no longer homeless. You're no longer wandering. The kingdom of faith. So I want you to catch that. The kingdom of faith. 
the family of God, the church, Jesus, and his bride, right? All of it. The kingdom of faith is now your home. Everybody say home. Is now your home country. You're no longer strangers or outsiders. You belong here with as much right to the name of Christian as anyone. God is building a home. Everybody say home. He is, he is using us all, irrespective of how we got here, in what he is building. He used the apostles and prophets for the foundation. Now he is using you, fitting you in brick by brick, stone by stone, with Christ Jesus as the cornerstone that holds all the parts together. We seek it taking shape. We see it taking shape day by day, day after day. A holy temple built by God, all of us being built into it, a temple in which God is quite at home. Come on, family, let's pray. Jesus, we love you. We thank you for this word. We pray, God, that as we walk through this, that Jesus, it would be what I feel in my heart is, is almost an injection of DNA, right? A, a deposit, something that would be uh, released in this room, and we would accept it, and we would give you permission to speak to our hearts and our lives. I, I know, God, that this message has the potential, the seed of this message has the potential for exponential growth, life transformation. And so, God, I pray that you would do what you can only do, where you say in your word that only God gives the increase. God, I pray that you would plant the seed and you would increase it to the capacity you know you can. And I pray for our people to hear it, listen, and respond in the appropriate manner. We love you. We thank you. And in Jesus' name, home church said, amen and amen. Go ahead and have a seat. Go ahead and have a seat. Good stuff. So, I want to talk to you today about, as we continue our series called Feels Like Home, and this idea of what our church is about, our, our church culture, what, is it, what does it feel like, what are, what are we about as a church? When people ask you, what is, what is home church about? What do you guys do, or what, what's going on? This, this would be what would kind of come to mind, and so let's kind of say this all together as a family. I've learned that repetition is the best way for memorization, if that makes sense, and so let's go ahead and read it. Everybody, one, two, three, we are a church of healing. We are a church of family. We are a church of growth. We are a church of presence. We are a church of servanthood. And we are a church of mission. That's who we are. Those are our core values. And so today, I want to talk to you about how we are a church of family. And if you're taking notes, the title of the conversation or message today is family. It's all about the people. How many of you heard that phrase here before? We've said that on stage. We've put that on buildings, uh, on the building. We've put that on t-shirts. It's all about the people. I, I, I love that phrase. Uh, and I want to share a little bit of the history of that phrase a little bit. That phrase uh, didn't come from a sermon. It, it, it didn't come from a pastor. It didn't come from a preacher. Uh, it didn't even come from a conference or it wasn't a, a catchy title. It actually came from an amazing couple named Frito and Yolanda Hernandez. Um, and their family, I believe, is at this service. They're sitting somewhere. Normally, they sit in this section. Oh, yeah, same spot. Good job. Found you guys. Isn't that funny when you go to the same spot in church every Sunday? You know what I'm saying? It's like your spot, even though it's not your spot. Anyways, I'm going to continue. Because Okay, time. If you all get salty that someone took your spot, get here early, okay? Because you ain't getting nameplates here. Culture, that's not what we do. You don't get a parking spot. You don't get a name, okay? I'm just saying. But, yeah. The Hernandez family's here and their parents. 
Frito and Yolanda were here from the very beginning when we planted that little home church in J Street. And I love that. They, they would say this phrase. They, they embodied this phrase, this idea of it's about the people. It's what we do here as a church. It's about relationships. It's about family. It's about, it's about people. And you know, you know why I love that so much? I, I love that because I don't, and, and Buddy can correct me if I'm wrong, and he will because we're friends. Um, but I don't ever remember Sister Yolanda or Brother Frito ever preaching on a Sunday. Yet for years to come now, and for multiple generations of lead pastors, right? I didn't make up this phrase. Pastor Eric Baca didn't make up this phrase. Pastor Joe Dunham or our previous pastors didn't make up this phrase. Um, you know what that tells me? That when you preach with your life, it lasts longer than preaching with your words. Brother, Brother Frito and Yolanda preached with their life this thing. And they embodied this thing so much that... It will now be embedded in the language of our church until Jesus decides for our church not to exist. And even then, I think you'll probably go to other churches and other places. The world has changed because a couple said yes to Jesus. Isn't that crazy? That's a, I don't know about you. That's amazing. You know what that tells me? That at the end of the day, what I do matters way more than what I say. I pray that at the end of my life, people don't remember how good of a preacher I was, but rather how much I loved Jesus and how much I loved people and how much I loved my family. And it was the actions of being a pastor rather than the voice and the words that I would say and communicate. I want you to know this today, that if you're in this room and God is calling you to preach and teach and lead, because maybe that's what's happening in this next season, take a page from the playbook of Frito and Yolanda Hernandez, where you don't preach with your voice, you preach with your life. You allow God to do something so deep in you that people just have to catch what's on your life because of the transformation that Jesus had on you. I love that. I love that phrase. I love this story of them and, and the history of, of who we are. And, and really, that's who we are. We are a church that is about the people. We are a church about family. I think most people, as I've talked to them, a lot of people have been moving from the Bay Area down here to Lathrop and, you know, Stockton, Tracy, Mantica, Modesto, and, and they're looking for home. But what they're really saying is they're looking for family. Because how many you know, right? You know the cheesy saying, home is where you are, you know? Some of you fellas, you can write that down for the Valentine's card on Wednesday. <laughs> I'm just home and I'm with you. Look, some of y'all are laughing, but there's a husband right now. Like, that's a good one right there. You know what I'm saying, right? There's a husband. And there's a husband also that's like Target after church. That, yep. And yeah, you forgot. You're welcome. You're welcome. Home is home because of the people that are home. Home is not home because of the location of the place. Um, people have houses, but uh, people can own houses. People can have buildings. Uh, houses can be structures, but homes are because of the connection, the relationship, the authenticity, the family. And that is who we are. The, the body of Christ, which is made up here at this church, is not because the building is beautiful or the design or the creativity, although all that's special. No, no, I, it's actually because of the people. And let me just break it down a little bit further. God loves people. He loves people more than he loves things. So also, if you're in a season where you're like, where is God calling me to? Let me help some of you in the room. I went on this tangent first service. I guess God wants me to do a second. God will not call you to things. He calls you to people. 
Oh, some of y'all, that, yeah. Because you think you might be called to preach and teach. No, you're not. You're called to the people that you're supposed to preach and teach to. You think God's trying to call you to a church because the worship's good or the logo looks great or the social media is vibey or they got good youth and young adult pastors or whatever. No, no, no. You're called to the people of this place. When God called me to lead pastor here, he didn't call me to the city of Lathrop. He called me to the people of Lathrop. He called me to the people of home church. And, and now moving forward with our vision, he's calling us to the people of the Central Valley of Northern California, our region. Why does that matter? Because so many of us are so stuck on what God wants us to do, we forget actually it's who God wants us to do it for. Throughout the Bible, God does not raise up people to do hard things because he just wants us to do hard things. God forbid we would believe that Jesus died on the cross so that way he just gave us something to do. Like as if we were bored. How many, right? Your life was probably crazier before you got saved. Your probably life is crazier now that you're even saved, right? Like no one's bored, right? God forgive that we think Jesus died on the cross so we can play church. God forbid that. What actually Jesus died for, Jesus died on the cross and rose again for people. Jesus died and rose again for families. Jesus died and rose again for relationships. And so if you're in a season where you're like, should I take that job or should I take this job? Should I take uh, this occupation or should I do that occupation? Should my kids join this school or my kids should join that school? Should I move to this place or should I move to that place? Should I go to this church or should I go to a different church? Which I'm cool with. If you go to our church, great. If you go to another church, great. We're all on the same team. The question you should be asking is not should I or should I not? The question is, am I called to the people in that place. Why? Because God calls us to people. When God raised up Moses, they were called to the people of Israel that were in captivity. When God raised up uh, people in the Old Testament, right? He would, like Zerubbabel, he called them to the people of Israel to rebuild the temple. When God called Nehemiah, it was to the people so he can lead them to do something. And God will call us to do amazing things, but God will always call us to people first. Do you agree? You're quiet. I know, I'm trying not to talk fast. So then if God calls us to people, the church cannot feel like a business. You know what I'm saying? I don't get me wrong, we got business things to do, like someone's got to pay the bills. But, but it can't feel like it's not family. And here's how it feels like it's family. Obviously, the leadership starts with that, right? If the leadership isn't warm and welcoming and inviting and loves people, then no one's going to follow anything because God trusts leaders in the house. But, but actually, we make it family together, right? There's, so now our Sundays are different because... If you're, if you're here for the first time, for example, like how many of you going to a Super Bowl party today? Anybody? Like four people? That's it, y'all? Come on, you can say it. It's fine. I didn't ask if there was going to be like beer there or something. I just simmer down. Gosh, like somehow some people are like, don't let me catch you at the alcohol aisle in Target, bro. I'm just saying. Okay, if you don't know, that's a joke. That's a running joke here because, never mind, forget it. Listen to sermons back in the day. Okay. I, 
Everyone's like texting the wife now. I can't go get the beer. Pastor Chris called me out. It was prophetic. No, 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 no. It's a sober Super Bowl. You know what I'm saying? Some of y'all, that might be from Jesus. I'm just going to be honest. But um, so if, you're, you're, if you have family and you're doing a Super Bowl party and they're family, they better be bringing something. Amen? Right? No one likes a cheap family member. Yeah, 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 come on, thank you, right? It's like, oh, so glad you're here. What'd you bring? Like, myself, what? As if you're good enough to just come to the party. <laughs> no, bro, like, where's the chips, my guy? Like, where's the, did you bring something? Did you bring a case of waters? It's 10 bucks, right? Bring something. But, but if you invited someone to your Super Bowl party and they're not part of your family, what's the expectation? Don't bring anything. We're just happy you're here. So I want you to know if you're a visitor, maybe for a second, third time, family, we're just happy you're here. But if you say this is your church, home church, we need to get to the place where we are making up the family and that means we have something to bring to the table. If you say home's your home, then make it home. Because you feel really comfortable with taking off your chanclas and sitting like however you want to sit on Sunday and coming late and drinking all the coffee and do everything. So here's what I'm asking. I'm not, I'm not even going to get into the other things that I think you should do, which is like, that's another sermon for another time. Can you just like say hi to people when they come in? Yes, sir. If someone's next to you, like when, when Pastor Juan says to turn to the person next to you and give someone a hug, like, can you do it? Or are you just like, well, I'm just glad I'm here today and glad, God should be glad I'm here too. It's like, bro, what are, God should be glad I'm here today. What kind of energy is that, bro? Like, no. So, so. It's the responsibility of us to make it family together. That's what I'm saying. Are you catching what I'm saying? It's, it's we got to make it family together. Therefore, you and I have to care about people constantly. And the minute we lose that idea that people don't matter is the minute that the gospel stops working. Because if people don't matter, then now we are running a religious activity rather than the original missional design that Jesus intended when he sent his son as a missionary from heaven to the earth to die for who? People. And family, we have to embody that with the way we live. We have to embody that with our relationships. So let me kind of give you a phrase that I think kind of breaks this down a little bit more. Home church is a church of spiritual family. Now let me pause right there. I'm going to spend a little bit of time on this. What do I mean by spiritual family? How many of you know you can't choose your real family? Aren't you like, man, I know. You're going to see that cousin today. I know. You're going to see that deal. I know. Jesus still, you're right, the deal that needs like, he needs like a revival weekend. He needs the Father. He needs the Son and the Holy Ghost. You know what I'm saying? He needs, right? I know. I know. Some of us, we can't choose our family. That's why I use the word spiritual family. See, you know what's amazing about God? Is that God doesn't need you. Just want you to know that. For some of you in the room who have bought into the lie that like, man, just God just needs me. Or you maybe feel because everyone else has kind of lied to you in the secular culture that you're supposed to be needed at all times. Therefore, you became insecure in your neediness. I know I'm, I'm cooking a little bit. Okay, give me a sec. Give me a sec. Give me a sec. I'm, I'm, I'm going to be nice in a sec. Um, God doesn't need you. He wants you. So it's the same thing with church, right? You want to be here. 
You don't need to be here. Now, some of you, you know, you need to be here because it's a responsibility and it's a call. Absolutely. But, but let me just play on the semantics just a tad. Um, no one's forcing you to come to home church. You all came because you love Jesus or you're trying to check this place out. Unless you're a teenager, then yeah, you have to be here until you're 18. Get over it. And parents, rightfully so. Don't let them be like, I don't want to go, bro. What do they know? And I said that, I say that as a very zealous 14, 15 year old, but they don't know. Okay, they don't know. But for the most part, everyone wants to be here. That's what I mean by spiritual family. You don't get to choose your real family, but you do get to choose your spiritual family. Okay? You get to choose who's in your life. You get to choose your family. And why it's spiritual family is because what I would believe is that the same Jesus that's in me and the expression and calling of God that's on my life and the way we see scripture, live our life, preach Jesus, understand and articulate the gospel is the same core value in Jesus that you have on your life. Therefore, we are coming alongside each other as family because the Jesus in you and the Jesus in me resonates together. This is why churches... Um, or individuals who have a problem with their church sometimes need to just find a new church because what's happening is the thing that's in you is not resonating with the thing that's with the rest of the house, and that's okay. But what you can do is just talk mess about it. Just go find somewhere else. Now, I'm not saying that to anyone here. I know you guys love me. Listen, no one comes up to me and tells me that they don't like our spot because that's crazy. <laughs> Nobody has the courage to do that. Maybe like one or two people, but like it's fine. You know what we do though? I've had plenty of people come to tell me they don't like their old church. But yet, what's funny is they want us to be like their old church, yet they don't like it. That's why they left. Do you understand the conundrum there? It's like, no, it's like not liking your dad, and then you're like, but my dad always did this. It's like, bro, can you make up your mind? And why does that matter? Because at the end of the day, how God has designed it is you have been adopted into a large spiritual family, which is the church, right? What does that mean? That today in Africa, millions of people are worshiping. In China, millions of people are worshiping in, in schools and caves and in the underground church. In South America, millions of people are worshiping. In the West, millions of people are in buildings like this. And then there's a, they're in home churches. They're, they're everywhere. They're in fields. They're everywhere. And so we are part of the big church, right? Right? We are part of a big family. And so when you get saved, you are adopted into that spiritual family, right? It's called the invisible church. That's, it's a term in ecclesiology called the invisible church. But the local church is little c, right? You get adopted into the big C church, but like home church, that's little c church. It's just us. But you get to choose what local church you're a part of. Why? Because Jesus is not a dictator. He will call you to a church and you get to decide whether follow him or not. Does that make sense? Therefore... What I think is special about it is most of it means that church is a place where people shall be loved and people should be wanted. But in a reciprocating fashion, you have to want to be here and you have to fall in love with it because it's a family you choose, not a family you have to be at. And so I want you to know this. No one will ever force you to stay here. And if I could be honest, I said this first service, I'm going to say a second. Now it's going to go online. I don't know if it should, but hey, let's just go with it. If you go to a church that's little C, meaning just a random church, that acts like they're the stuff and they're big C, red flag. Red flag. What do I mean by that? If you go to a church that makes it seem like they are the only church in America, they're the only church that matters, they're the only ones doing it right, big red flag. 
big red flag. Why? Because that's rooted in pride and arrogance, and they don't understand the vast calling of the kingdom that's in Scripture. I'm not saying you can't go there. I'm just saying it's going to get weird. It's going to get weird. It's weird. Right? To think that I'm like, we're the only special church in the Central Valley. Oh my gosh, how gross. I want more churches to plant in Lathrop, not less. Why? Because there's people at other churches that can reach other people that we can never reach. I could, I could literally be Jesus and they still won't come. Right? There's people in your family that will never come to home church, but they might go to New Life or Life Song or Harvest or Christian Worship Center or whatever. And that's just in the local area. They might go somewhere else. And that's beautiful. Why? Because we're on the same team. At the same side. So that's one side of the coin. On the other side of the coin, we are a unique expression that has its own identity as a family centered and rooted in the gospel. Therefore, we all come in together because we want to be here, not because we have to be. That's why I use the word spiritual family. That's why we don't use the word just family. We use the word spiritual family because there's a deeper connotation to it. Make sense? Let me deepen it a little more. The church in scripture is called and designed as a family of God, right? We learned that in scripture. That's the verbiage in Ephesians chapter two, that you are now part of the kingdom of faith. You are now part of the family of God. You no longer are wandering exiles. God and his family and the church is now your home, right? We use that in Ephesians chapter two. You are part of the family of God, which Jesus is the head of our home. Thank you, God, that this church is not led by just a staff and a board, but Jesus is the head of the house. Can I get an amen on that? And just so you know, I love that because I don't want to be in charge completely. That's, that's too hard of a job. I ain't going to do that. That's crazy. Thank you, God, that he's a better leader than I am a follower. And thank you, God, that it's him that's leading our house. And then we get to lead it together. So then, therefore, our heart is people. And to help establish healthy and authentic relationships. Here's what I've learned, family. Today, this type of message is not maybe a fun one, but it's an essential one. Because I have learned that the messages that, don't get me wrong, I love, how many of you love just like Holy Ghost Church? You know what I'm saying? I love church. I say it like that because you know what I'm talking about. There's church and there's church. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> I love the, the, the hour worship, the prophetic, the, the boogers in the altar call, the mascara all over the place. Like, I love it, right? The tongues, the, the, the preaching. The, yeah, I love that. But if that's all we build our life on, and we have not let Christ and Jesus be a part of our life, not just something we visit, we have missed why Jesus came and died for us. I, I have found that the beauty of church is not what happens on Sunday, but it's actually also what happens from Monday through Saturday. I have found the beauty of this place on Tuesday when I'm struggling and I can text someone. On Wednesday when my kid is in the hospital and someone's coming to pray for me. On Thursday when I'm in my small group and they're encouraging me. On Friday when I'm meeting with someone and I'm discipling them and I'm pouring into them. That is the beauty of the family of God. Therefore, the issue then is, do we have healthy and authentic relationships? That's what I want to talk to you today. I want to give you some things to work on so that way we can begin to establish what it means to do what I believe God has called us to do. Make sense? 
Awesome, let's do it. So I want to give you four relationships that everybody needs. I know that was a long intro, but I believe that it's essential to kind of lay the, lay, lay the foundation, lay the groundwork for to go a little bit deeper. There's four relationships that everybody needs to have to be a healthy individual following Jesus. There are four relationships in the context of spiritual family and family that I believe everyone needs to have. So I want to write this down and I'm calling it the home model. I want to use the example or the imagery, if you would, or a metaphor of someone building a home because I believe that it's not only that you need these four relationships, you also need these four relationships in order. Okay, and I'll explain right now. And so number one, I believe the most important relationship you need to have as an individual more than any other relationship is your foundation, which is you are your family. Your relationship is with God. You are part of the family with God. I want you to know today that every other relationship will fall apart if you're not rooted in Jesus. I want you to know that. And for some of you in the room that are like, well, that just seems like really spiritual and very Christian. Like, I don't know about that. You might, you're in the wrong place. You know what I'm saying? Like, of course we're going to talk about Jesus. What do you think we were going to do? I wasn't going to give you 10 steps to get rich. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's, you need to go to another church. That's what the gospel says. That's what the Bible says. Matthew 7, the man who builds his house on the rock. All the storms will last, right? But the man who builds his house on the sand, the foundation of your home, if it is not built on Jesus, the foundation of your life, the most important relationship, more important than your spouse, more important than your kids, more important than your job, more important than the relationship you have with me, your pastor, the most important relationship you have is with God. No ifs or buts. If you come to me and you're like, man, I'm having problems, that's the first question I'm going to ask you. Why? Because if your foundation's not good, what makes you think the rest of the house is going to look okay? See, some of us are trying to build other parts of the house, and your foundation isn't ready yet. You're worried on the carpet, and you haven't even built the foundation yet. And why, why do I say family with God? Because did you not know that when you were saved, you were adopted, not into a local church family, but also you were adopted into God's family, which he is father? Do, I want you to understand this. That the Trinity has a home. I want you to imagine that imagery. And actually, um, Pastor Dylan wrote an incredible book about it. I didn't mention it first service, but our children's pastor, our kids' pastor, wrote a book called Happy Trinity. And it's all about this idea that in the Trinity, they, they are perfect in relationship, right? The Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit are perfect. They don't need us, but yet they want us. And in that relationship, they find home in their perfection because they're God and it's who they are, right? It's three persons being one God, but yet they're different persons. It's the mystery of the Trinity. And we are invited into that relationship with the Trinity. We are invited into that home into that being, into that identity. Our foundation is that we are family with God. Family, I don't know about you, but that's exciting to me. That's encouraging. That's inspiring. That's powerful. Why? Because even on earth, when my own family failed me, God made room in his family for me. Come on. See, I love the idea of family because when you grow up like me where I was orphaned and I had a toxic family growing up and I was uh, all over the place. When I found out 
that I can find home in God, that, that God is my safe place and God is my refuge and, 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 and I have a father who loves me and, and he has a son who's my best friend and the Holy Spirit to comfort me and guide me and watch over me. I am now not just family of God, but I am family with God, that God considers me family? Come on. Some of you, you need to catch this because your own family doesn't even consider you family. Yet if you were to allow Jesus to enter into your heart, God considers you family. What a deep, profound thing that we take for granted as Christians. Because we think that that's what God should do. No, 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 God didn't need to. But yet, man, God, I love Ephesians. I just want to break it down a little bit, right? You were outsiders, but yet now he treats you as equals. You were exiles, but now he made a home for you. Uh, another version in the ESV, it says there was a wall of hostility and the hostility wall was torn in two. So that way you can draw close to Christ. Family, I am telling you today that God has to be your foundation. God has to be at the center. God has to be the thing you build your life on. God and your relationship with God has to be the thing. And every other relationship will not work until that takes place. And maybe it could work, but it will fall apart. But you and God have to get right. Some of you in the room, what does that mean? You need to stop your sin. You need to stop your immorality. You need to stop your idolatry. You need to stop doing the things you're not supposed to be doing. You need to allow Jesus to become the main thing in your life. You need to stop running from God, and you need to start running to God. You need to allow God to allow him to do the deep, deep things of your heart. You need to let Jesus do what he needs to do in your life. And you need to begin to prioritize your relationship with Jesus. I believe that the reason you're here today is because most of you in the room are trying to do that. That's why we come on Sundays is we're saying, God, I'm giving this part of my day to you because you are the most important thing of my life. It's good. So I think I'm preaching to the choir a little bit, but I think that part really matters because if you don't have that, we don't really have much. Number two is you need your frame, right? Anybody ever build a house before? You know that first is the foundation and then second's the frame. And this is what I believe. The frame represents God in our families. What do I mean by that? The second most important relationship you have on this world after God is your relationship with your immediate family. Not your church, not your workplace, not your friends, your immediate family. Now, let me, let me, let me help with you. Let me help with that. Because um, if you're like me, you're Mexican. And... Uh, you could think your immediate family is like your third cousin removed that's married to like your tia Juanita or whatever. You know what I'm saying? Like, or maybe you just have a big family. Maybe you're just not, maybe you just have a big family. And we could feel the pressure that everyone's family. No, no, no. Here's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about your spouse. I'm talking about your kids. And if it's in a healthy context, I'm going to throw this in there. Healthy context. This is no sermon from another time. Another sermon. Your in-laws. And why do I say your in-laws? Because some of y'all, your in-laws hate you. And so we got to figure that one out. You know what I'm saying? But... <laughs> Some of you are like, oh, that was, that was, that was not cool, but it's true, right? <laughs> it's okay. You can laugh. It's cool. It's fine. Um, I'm talking about your spouse and your kids. This is why. Because God forbid I preach to thousands of people, and yet my son gets older and he doesn't know who his dad is. Fathers, you are the expression of God the Father on earth to your children. You know that? Like, 
When your kids think of God as father, oftentimes they will think of you. Actually, for some of you, I, again, not in the notes, but Pastor Matt, we're just rolling with this one. The reason why you have a problem with your father is because you're comparing God the father to your earthly father and you're allowing your earthly relationship to dictate your godly relationship. But I want to tell you that God's not the same as your earthly father. On the same side, though, to block through that, we have a responsibility as men, as fathers, to represent Jesus well to our kids. Mom, same thing. Children, same we need to prioritize the immediate family. Why? Because that is really the framing, the, the structure after foundation that will last and sustain your relationship with God. Here, here's what I learned. My family got saved for a small season. Um, they really went after the Lord. Okay, my, we all came from addict backgrounds. My parents were addicts. It was crazy. And then they really started going after Jesus. So I honor them for that. The problem is, is our church culture was so focused on building the church, we weren't focused on building the family. And it wasn't on purpose. And I think they didn't mean to say things like that, but, but that was the vibe, at least that we got. And so, so my family was so focused on building God's house, but they weren't building their house. And what happens is when you have, let's say, a healthy church, but in a healthy family, a healthy church will never beat out a healthy home. Because a healthy home is how you're going to withstand any unhealthy environments. So your home must be priority. And so which I'm going to go to this third point right now, which the second one is framed. The third is fixtures. So right, we talk about fixtures. We talk about this idea of, you know, in the home, like the cabinets and the electricity. And, but, but this is what we do, family. Sometimes you are trying to put walls in your house and the frame's not even up yet. Go back to the second one for me. This is why we need to allow God in our families. So let me explain even furthermore. I'm not talking about spending more time with your family. I'm talking about allowing Jesus to have priority in your family. And I'm talking about building your family on Jesus and not just building your family and not caring about it. Does that make sense? We have to allow ourselves to understand that the second most important relationship in our life is our family. Listen, at the end of the day, I don't even think most of you are going to remember what I say. But you know who is? My kids and my wife. At the end of the day, did I love her like I love Jesus? That's what she's going to remember. That's the stability of our whole reality of our whole living. If the home isn't good, and this is why in scripture you'll find that Paul writes to Timothy, if a leader's home isn't healthy, there's an issue there. Why? Because it could be that they're not prioritizing the right things and they have a priority issue. So it's so important to have a healthy family. And what do I mean by that? Making space for God to be in our families. That's why I put that as that phrase, God in our families, prioritizing it. And I know I might be hitting this on the head too much, but this really, really matters. And this really, really makes sense because what does it matter, family, if you're trying to do the Jesus thing everywhere else except for home? So this is what's going to happen. You're going to get mad that your kids are wilding out. I hear this. I, I, I hear this. Well, my kids are wilding out. Well, the reason they're wilding out is because there's no Jesus in your home. 
You expect us to teach your kids Jesus, but they're here two and a half hours a week. They're at a secular school that's teaching them demonic ideologies about gender and transitioning and homosexuality and drugs and alcohol and ideology and racism and all this crazy stuff. They said, I don't care what your political opinion is. It's crazy. I'm saying it is what it is. They spend 30 to 40 hours there. And you know who's discipling them? Their friend who's walking with them home instead of us, because we don't spend enough time with them, their homie, who who knows where they're getting discipled from, and then you're mad that your kid's smoking weed or drinking at 13, 14, 15, and then you get mad at Pastor Matt that we're not talking about it at a youth group. When, when's the last time you opened up your Bible with your kids? When's the last time you prayed in the morning? When's the last time you walked through scripture? When's the last time you put on a little YouTube when you were cleaning the house and invited the presence of God? When is the last time you started talking with your kids at dinner? Did you know that kids will stay saved for generations to come after college? You know what's one of the trait is? Is if they do a family meal with their families twice a week. That's it. What they have found is that a kid will stay in their relationship with God three times as longer as a kid who won't if in the family they have dinner with their kids twice a week, like at the table. So what's happening is instead of letting YouTube and media and school and education disciple our kids, will we allow God and us and will we take responsibility for ourselves? Stop waiting for a pastor to do the thing that God called you to do. Guys, I'm preaching to myself. Just because Zadok's at church and he helps us doesn't mean that I'm discipling him. What do I do in my home? What am I allowing God to build the frame of my life? The family matters. Why? Because when we build that in a healthy context, then man, everything else begins to follow suit. Everything else begins to follow suit. Let me share a story and then we're going to close in just a second. Um, I shared this first service. My wife was here. I had to ask her permission. So the other day I'm preaching. It was, I think in January, January 7th, first Sunday of the year, first Sunday of the year. I'm excited. We're excited. Everyone's excited. We just walked through a crazy season. We're getting ready for the name change. That's a lot. That's a big deal for us as a leadership here as the church. Um, we just moved out of our house. We had to find a renter. If you've ever done that, that's crazy. I didn't know what I, I was not ready. I was not ready for that one. That's a whole lot of craziness, but hey, God gives grace. And then we built a new home. So I felt like I was working on three homes at the same time. I was working at home church, my new home, and my old home. I was just, I would just call me Home Depot. You know what I'm saying? I was just in the home business. And, uh, and I was trying to be a good husband. I was, Pastor Juan, I was. Thank you. This is what I did. I cleaned the house. The night before, I had to preach the next day, but I was like, you know what? And I like cleaning my house. I don't know about you. I like cleaning my house. I am OCD. The reason why this church looks like the way it does is because of me, and I stress the team out. I feel so bad for them, but hey, it is what it is. It's just, it's me. It's how I live. You should go to my office. There's nothing in there. Like, I am so OCD. I am. And so I'm the same with my house. I was like, you know what? I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to clean, because how many know as a husband, you can't complain to your wife that the house isn't clean, and you're not going to clean. You know what I'm saying? Some of your wives, you're nudging your husbands right now. You're like, see, do the dishes, bro. So I did. I cleaned the downstairs. I cleaned the kitchen. 
I do the dishes. I clean out the trash from the fridge. I throw the trash out. I, I make sure the tables are clean. Husband material, let's go. You know what I'm saying? Like, I'm just, I'm feeling good. I'm crushing. And my wife, so here's, here's the habit I do. I also, because I'm OCD, I throw anything away that doesn't belong. There's no hoarding in my family. So, but I've also do this and it's a bad habit. I will throw away people's food that they're supposed to eat because I think it looks gross. Like when we had roommates, they're like, where's my lunch? Oh man, I'm sorry, I threw it away. Because if I wasn't gonna eat it, you ain't gonna eat it, you know what I'm saying? So, I messed up, guys. I threw a banana away. It was a banana for my daughter. And I wake up. Now, keep in mind, this is Sunday morning, January 7th. I'm waking up. I got to get ready. I got, I'm showering. I'm ready to preach. Preaching, it's, it's a heavy thing. It's not easy. You got to talk in front of hundreds, if not thousands of people. It's, it's a lot. Mentally, right? You carry it. You, you want God to move in your life. So, so I'm like, I'm busy up here. And I thought, man, I killed it for my wife. She's going to wake up. She's going to come downstairs. Actually, I think I cleaned upstairs too. I, 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 was, I was just, I was moving. And uh, I thought she was going to wake up and be like, babe, thank you so much. I just love you. Thank, you know, I'm just, I'm, 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 I'm in my mind. I'm ready for all the emotional and verbal affirmation because I'm a words guy. I was ready for, I was ready for my tank to be filled because my wife, my wife, she's a service person. I just, I, I served her and she was sleeping. She didn't got to worry about, babe, I got you. I'm in the shower. Because I just wake up, I go straight to the shower. I go, I go, I, I go. I'm starting to get ready. And all I hear is, what'd you do with the banana? <laughs> Where's the banana, Chris? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what banana? She's like, the banana for Psalm. Did you throw away the banana? She came at me hot like that. And I was like, oh, you know what I did? It looked a little brown. I don't know. Apparently, I don't know what a good banana is. And she was like, okay, fine. And just walked away. And I was, ooh, I was, I was heated. Guys, I was, oh. And so I did what any real husband would do. I lit her up. I said, hold on. One, you need to simmer down. Two, you are not going to talk to me like that. Three, how are you not even going to care that I cleaned the whole house and you didn't even pay attention? You know what? I feel disrespected by you right now. Because how many know in relationships, women want to be loved and men want to be respected. I said, I feel disrespected by you right now. And I feel like you don't care what you do for me. And you know what? I've been holding this for like a year. So you want to talk about it on a Sunday? Let's go ahead and talk about it. Bang, bang. I And then she's like, well, how can you say that? Because I do so much for you and da-da-da, and I always listen. I'm like, you don't listen. Ever since we had saw me, you just ignore me. And da-da-da-da. Guys, I got to preach in 30 minutes. We went for it. And, and I apologize because, like, that's what you do, right? Like, the first one of the cross wins, right? I apologized. And I was like, I'm sorry, but I just, I feel this way and I'm tired of feeling that. It was, it was it months of, this has happened to every couple, right? This happens, right? It's not about a banana. I'm texting Pastor Luis. I'm like, bro, I'm going to be late to huddle. You would not believe what just went down in my house about a stupid banana. 
got here like at 9 15 that's horrible like i gotta do but no 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 i i waited longer we we had that we had it out saw me's now with us she's like no no because she's freaking out we're fighting zadok's praying into the room apparently he thinks we're gonna get a divorce and you know just this all happening and doesn't the enemy do that right before god's gonna do something special right especially church on sunday of course that's gonna happen and and right and, and i know this because that that's happened in my family my whole life and and so i said okay listen i'm sorry we're not gonna solve all of this today i'm just tired of feeling a certain way but I said, Nessa, this is what I'm not gonna do. And she's like, you gotta go. I'm like, no, I don't gotta go. Because if I get on that stage and act like you're okay at home and we're a mess, what is that? Such hypocrisy. We need to be good. So this is what we're gonna do. I'm sorry. You don't have to say sorry because sometimes it takes her a minute. Some of the ladies, I know, I know. So, but she was great. She was like, no, no. I didn't know you felt that way. I'm sorry too. I said, look, and it's been a lot and we've been stressed out, but this is what we're gonna do. We're gonna pray together as a family. I don't care if I'm late because what matters is my home needs to be right before this home. And I don't have authority to speak into this house unless that's handled. And so I invite Sadok and Saul because they saw us fighting. We got a little loud and we weren't like yelling, but, but you know, it was spicy. There's some tapatio in there for sure. You know what I'm saying? And, uh, and I just... Huddle up. And, and me and my wife are learning to do this more, praying for each other. We've been in that season. And I just, we pray and we have Zadok there and I have Psalm and I said, Jesus, we just believe that God, you're doing something new in our family. I thank you, God, that you give us conflict, not to break apart, but to get us close together. I thank you, Jesus, that his family is not built on you, but or on, on us, but it's built on you. I thank you for my wife. I thank you for the sacrifice. I thank you that she's an incredible mom and, and an incredible um, just wife. And, and I just thank you for what you're doing in this. And we just give you room. We ask that you would heal anything, any frustration. I'm, guys, I'm doing the thing I, I teach you. I'm teaching us to do. I, I'm doing the thing that I do on Sundays. And then she prays, Jesus, we just pray. We pray for him. We pray for his mind. I pray that he would know he's settled, that this is a safe place. I pray, God, that, right, we're just praying together. And we pray together. We give it. And, and then we, we say, Jesus, this is your home. We invite you. We invite your presence. We believe that, God, you are doing something new. And we just thank you for all that you're doing. This is what we're doing. And then I come to preach. Why? Because that is the framework of my life. Here's the point. You need to do that. Not exactly how I did it. You don't have to do it how I did it. But where is God in your family? And if he's not, then your framework's not ready. And if your framework's not ready, ready that leads me to the third point, is you, you can't worry about the fixtures, right? You can't worry about the things like the plumbing and the electrical. You gotta set up the frame. And so if you go to the third point, which is fixtures, they're gonna put up on the screen just right now, is that's the family of God, right? The family of God is the church. Because how many of you know also, just like the story I just shared, you also need people to help you build a better home, right? How many of you know this? That you don't allow your plumbing guy to do your electrical. You ever try to do that? You ever like hire a handyman that does everything and nothing's done right? Why? This is why God gives us the family of God because there's people in this room that can help you with things I can't help you with. There's people in this room that cannot help you with your, what you think your wife should be doing for you. They can't. Why? God's gonna send us a family together. So we go from being family with God to allowing God in our families to now being the family of God. That's the third most important relationship I believe in your life is your spiritual family in your local church. Why? Because it's the family that's gonna build you and grow you. And then the last one, because I want to finish it out, is the family, the last one is, I call it finishes. 
which is the family that's extended, work family, maybe people you're loving on, maybe people you're reaching. But the order matters. I've met people who they're trying to love the loss, but they don't love their own kids. Right? They, they, they're trying to love the church and they don't love their own family. Guys, it doesn't matter what the paint of the walls look like if you don't even got your toilets running. You don't got a system. You don't got infrastructure. You don't got, and it takes time and that's okay. But, but if we allow God to do the work in the in-between, watch what he does. And so for me, this is what I think. I, I, these are, these are, this is my order. How is my relationship with God doing? How is my relationship with my immediate family doing? How is my relationship with the spiritual family, my church, my relationships? And then how is God, how am I with my extended relationships? I believe if you follow that order and you allow God to work on it, watch your life get healthy dramatically. Watch some things begin to shift around and change. And there's so much to that, and, and I wish I had a little bit more, but maybe one day we'll do like a podcast about it or something or another message, I don't know. But I feel like I really wanted to spend time on the second one because I think God's wanting to prioritize our family today, our own family at home. Because uh, I think home church is a collection of homes coming together. That's how I see it. I see it when everyone comes in. I, I, I think of us as all like little houses, like Monopoly. You know what I'm saying? And how many know when you win Monopoly is when all of you, you have a bunch of little houses. There's power when we come together. But for some of us, we need work on our house. Some of us need some things. And that's why God gives us the family of God. And then the beauty, what makes a house beautiful? is why, you know, finishes make the house beautiful, right? The flooring, the carpet, the design. I love that stuff. It makes it beautiful it, when lost people get to find a home where you're at. That's the beauty of the gospel when other people find the gospel too. So here are my questions for you. You're going to talk through this in groups this week as well. And I'm going to pray that God really locks us in on this. And I believe that this is a message that God would build. The first question is, have you been adopted into God's family? For some of you in the room, you can't even start this conversation about relationships and authenticity and building family. If you have not accepted Jesus, why? Because all the other stuff can sound self-helpy. We don't believe that. We believe in a gospel. We believe in Jesus. We believe that it's the power of the presence of God. We believe in transformation. We believe that scripture helps us with all this. We believe in Jesus. So part of it is you need to start your relationship with God first. Second question is, have you made room in your home for God? Family, you're the only one that knows that question. Men, it's time to step up. Be the priest of your home. It's not your wife's job, it's yours. Have you made room in your spouse relationship with your husband or your wife? Sorry, I'm talking to men, so yeah. With your wife, have you made room? Have you made room with your kids? And I wanna let you know that God has given you all the courage and boldness and strength to do it. You got it. You can do it. Moms, wives, same thing, kids, same thing. Have you made room for God? I remember being in even my life where my family was super unhealthy as a teenager, but I still made room in my home for God. Can you make that decision? Number three, have you chosen this church to be your, your home and spiritual family? If you haven't, do it. If you don't like us, we love you, find somewhere else. Not because we don't love you, but because we believe that God wants to build something on the inside of you. And you can't do it disconnected. You've got
gotta get connected. You gotta, you gotta go all in. It's the only way it works, right? You gotta allow God to do the work. You gotta start allowing relationships he's putting in your life to begin to take and happen and come into fruition. And if we need to help you find a church, we always say it on the stage, let us know. We will help you find one because we are all on the same team. Number four, do you have someone you are helping love into the family? This is a question more so for the Christians in the room. Who do you invite to church on Sundays? If I asked you yesterday, hey, who are you inviting tomorrow? And you said nobody, that's probably a a big problem because that means you are hoarding what God is doing in your life and you need to have people you are loving on and loving into the family. Make sense? Stay on your feet with me. Let me let you close. I know we went a little over. I appreciate you locking in and I believe that uh, the power, like I said, of this message can really do some transformative stuff. Close your eyes with me. Let me pray for you before you go. But before we let you go, I think it would be remiss and inappropriate of us to not invite people in the room to have a relationship with Jesus. We spent a whole 35, 45 minutes on relationships and we're not gonna allow people to start the relationship with God. So I wanna invite you to that today. Let's say you've never had a relationship with God. I believe God wants to start a relationship with you today. And let's say you're in this room and you would say that you used to have a relationship with God, but man, it's no longer the priority. He's like the sixth or seventh or eighth thing on your list. Uh, When you were younger, maybe you went to youth camp and everything was good, but yeah, you don't know, but you've been feeling a sensing, an urge. I even feel there's someone in the room right now where you came today because it's like God's been calling you. He's been reminding you of that youth camp experience or that youth group you went to or that thing you did when you were a teenager. And, and it's God calling you back home. I want you to know that there is space and room for you today and that God loves you and he wants you. And, he, and I believe wholeheartedly that he drew you here for a reason. I wanna make room for that before we let you go. If that's you and you'd be in the room and you say, you know what? I need to prioritize my relationship with God. I need to start my relationship with Jesus or I need to restart my relationship with Jesus. If that's you, do me a favor. Slip up your hand for me. Anybody in the room? Anybody in the room? If that's you, slip up your hand for me. Come on, room. Hands all over the room. Let's go. Let's go. Let's go. Love it. Love it. Love it. Love it. Let's pray this together like we did when we came back to Jesus or when we came to Jesus. We're going to do it together as a family, as a spiritual family together. Repeat this after me. And if you raise your hand, I want you to say this. And as you pray this, I believe it's going to be the start of God doing something new in your life. Let's do it together. Say this with me. Jesus, I need you today. Help me to prioritize my relationship with you. I'm sorry for everything I've done. But today, I choose you. I know you died for me. And I know you rose again for me. And that one day you're coming back for me. So from this day forward, I make you my foundation. Help me to follow you for the rest of my life. In Jesus' name, everybody said amen and amen. Come on, let's just give it up for what God did in the room. Come on. Love that. Family, I know this. Some people came home today. Come on now. I love it. So good. Family, we love you. So excited for what God is doing. Listen, one last thing before you go. Everybody say home groups. There is still time to sign up for a home group. You should have got a text or you can sign up in the lobby or go to our website. Sign up for a group today. We can't wait to have you. Sound good? Love you, family. Enjoy the rest of your day. We'll see you next Sunday. Invite a friend. 
Once again, thank you so much for joining in and listening to the message brought to our house this past Sunday. We love you and we pray you have a blessed day and blessed week.